Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. everybody. I'm Kim Holderness. And I'm Penn Holderness. You have stumbled upon the Holderness Family Podcast. It is our favorite little corner of the internet. We love it so. So thanks for joining us if you're new here. Yeah. So we record these on typically on a Friday afternoon uh, after the end of a busy week. Some weeks are busier than others. This one is so busy. I am not even saying words correctly. Words are hard. That. Y'all. This has been a crazy, crazy, crazy two weeks, but particularly this week. Uh, we feel so lucky um, that our book baby was born um, healthy yeah. and thriving. It's uh, everybody fights. So why not get better at it? It is available into the universe. And and if you're a regular listen to the pod, listener to this podcast, you've heard us talk about it for the better part of like for the, the entirety of this podcast. Well, it's because because it was kind of born out of the podcast. We, we brought Christopher on to talk about some of the fights that we got in. And so that's sort of how the framework for the book was laid. And then we added some research. Anyway, this He's is our counselor. He's yeah, our we're not we're not like pimping the book here. What, what we are going to do is read you a chapter from our audiobook and let you know that that's on sale as well. And I hope you enjoy it. Uh, but before that, I want to talk a little bit about this book baby thing that you just mentioned. <laughs> so when I like we'd heard our publishers say, oh, it's your book baby birthday week or whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Like balloons and it's you swaddle it and you care about it. And it's but like really there's like sleepless nights and colic and well, yeah. the, and the active labor of like actually pushing it out, which is look, I I love talking to people. I'm an extrovert, but we did something like 20 zoom like live uh, regional national cable TV interviews over the last couple of weeks to the point that like Kim, Kim looked at me yeah. and said what? I'm so done talking about myself. <laughs> I'm so over myself. And in the, and so something that we have an amazing team of people, um, Henry Tapke and Sam Allen, like they work with us every single day and they put up with us and they helped like bring this baby into the universe. But also the publisher has been amazing. Yeah. Ooh, it's ooh, fine. That's Penn's phone. That's not your phone. It's Don't fine. you worry. We're good. Um, so it has just been such a labor, but what they need you to do, like part of the deal you make when they say, yes, we will publish your book, what they ask you to do is promote it. Market and promote, promote it. Promote it. And so part of promoting it is talking about yourself. We 
are over that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's it's so funny because we did so many interviews and they a lot of times just to lift the veil a bit when you do an interview on a book they will uh, a pr company will send kind of like a prospectus so that the person who's interviewing you doesn't have to read the whole book they don't have time to read yeah the whole and book. especially in local news they yeah. don't have time to read and the book. so a lot of the questions are similar which means a lot of our answers are similar and so we had these like i started laughing toward the end we had these sound bites like kim had these three things that she literally said in every interview uh, and you <laughs> was, hey dude you had, no, I had them too but yours yours i'll tell you what yours were right now your first one is i don't you read, said it in every interview. You said, this is the man that I see flossing every night in his underwear. It's funny because he doesn't actually <laughs> floss his teeth that consistently. But yeah. I, I, I wrote that line in the book Yeah, because it was all about like asking for what you want and like why is it so hard to ask for what you want from this person who you see floss their teeth in, the, in their underwear every night. And then, but I said it every time. I'm like, well, oh my God. And as I was saying, I was like, why am I still saying this? And you this? always got the same laugh. Oh my so God. you're like, I guess I'm going to keep saying uh, it. I don't know why I kept saying it. And yeah. I was, it was like coming out of my mouth. I'm like, why stop saying this? Like trope. Yeah. And I always said, my my big one was we were we, quarantining before anybody <laughs> we did this whole quarantine thing five years before any of you guys just because we've been living at home and working out of our home together oh these yeah anyway <laughs> but we, it was a good problem to have we feel so yeah. lucky that there was interest enough that people cared enough about this uh, book and for those of you who purchased it bless you i want to give you a big long awkward vaccinated hug and then uh, if you want to leave a review where you bought it? That'd be huge. Actually, like reviews is like so highly coveted. Right. So anyway. Um, One of the other things that you said every single time is about to be in this chapter, which is... sure people ask for what they want. Yeah, which is it's great when Penn takes the kids to school. I wake up with the kids and Penn takes them to school, which is great because he doesn't have to get up early and I don't have to put on a bra. And every time she said oh that, God. it was like uproarious guffaw laughter. I didn't know how funny that was until you said it 14 times. Oh my God. I said it so many times. I'm like, I need it. I'm like, I needed a minute to come up with like another example of why it works. But um, anyway, so we wanted to give you one more final free. Uh, sample yeah. free chapter of our audiobook, which is available on Audible and everywhere audio books are sold like google play and all yep. that stuff this and one this one was one of the first things that we talked to christopher about way way back and it would yeah. be interesting to listen to that podcast and see how much it's changed because we've done a lot of research since and gone a lot farther with this chapter but really the most important thing that you need to know is that if you don't have toilet paper or t Kleenex, you can Stop. waddle across the kitchen and find Stop. like a relatively soft paper towel to wipe your butt oh bless yep. okay chapter four enjoy chapter four i do everything and you do nothing the fight sometimes being internet famous sucks for example i live in constant fear that someone will witness me hulking out at my kids when i'm shopping and they're there with a bunch of comments on our next video saying things like oh sure she looks nice and all but guess what i saw her do at target but with great power comes um, great power. There was one time in particular when I weighed the pros and cons of using our internet platform for my own devices. I almost decided against it, and then I figured, screw it, I'm using this. I'm going to harness the power of the internet to bring great shame on my husband and get him to do my bidding. <laughs> That's my evil laugh. It started in the bathroom. 
Back in the day, I read all the books on potty training. I know how things are supposed to go down in there. I know how to reward with raisins, scratch that M&Ms, and how to throw a potty parade to celebrate saying farewell to diapers. But you know what lesson those books left out? How to teach your family how to replace the mother-loving toilet paper. In the nearly 15 years I've been married and 12 years I've been a parent, I'm the only one who has ever placed a roll on the metal rod in the bathroom. This is par for the course at Casa del Holderness. We are a fairly modern family, but somehow I do most of the work around the house. I shop for and prepare breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I make doctor's appointments, rake the lawn, and wash and fold enough laundry to clothe a small to medium-sized city. Everything in life is produced for the people in this house, and making sure it runs smoothly requires a lot of forethought on my part. The week that pushed me to the brink had been taxing. I'd gone head-to-head with every member of my family about leaving wet towels on the floor. I know it might not sound like that big of a deal, but a wet towel on the floor destroys me. It's the mildew or toxic black mold in training, as I like to think of it. I can smell it. I can see it. And I swear I can hear it plotting to infect my family's lungs. That week, there were mountains of wet towels everywhere, in the bathroom, on the laundry room floor, on my bed. I even found one on the dining room table. I don't know how my family did it, but if they were trying to drive me insane, well done. So this one morning, after being worn down by days of wet towel showdowns, I went into our downstairs bathroom and saw that someone had used the final square of toilet paper. The cardboard tube was still on the holder. Suddenly, I zoomed out and saw everything clearly. I lived in a house with slobs. I knocked myself out to take care of them day and night, and in that moment, it felt like they couldn't care less about all the effort I'd put in. I work really, really hard. I do a lot of plate spinning every day, and if one thing crashes down, boom, a bunch of other stuff comes crashing down with it. I started making a list in my head of things that are harder than putting TP on the holder. It only had one item. Everything. (laughs) Everything is harder. (laughs) Replacing a toilet paper roll is literally the easiest thing in the entire roll. Like, let me pause for a second. I just went and used the restroom at the recording studio, and I replaced the roll here. Did you really? Yes. Somebody had just propped it up on the thing. In the women's room, in the by women's the way. Room. This is not BTW. just a gender thing. No. It's okay. Oh, no. Keep going. I'm going to have my day in court. Yes. <laughs> it was like a shaman had opened my mind to show me the truth of the toilet paper roll. The empty roll wasn't just an affliction of forgetfulness or laziness. No. The failure to change it was a big fat, I don't respect you. I don't value anything you do for me, but I expect you to keep doing it anyway, written in Charmin. It was a message courtesy of my Charmin shaman. I really, I had to hit that twice. I'm sorry. The Charmin shaman. Um, I took a nosedive into rage. I had had enough. I took a deep breath and considered my options. Should I walk upstairs, find more paper in the closet where I store enough for a national disaster, which came in very handy during COVID-19, and replace the teepee? Or, this is me plotting. It was time for Penn to figure this out. I snapped a damning picture of the empty roll and posted it with a question mark, question mark, question mark on Instagram stories. Within hours, I had thousands, thousands of messages saying, oh my gosh, my family too. And people started sharing their own pictures. 
The toilet paper standoff was on, friends. At the time, Penn didn't understand the workings of Instagram, and he had no idea what I was posting. Over the next seven days, it was like gorillas in the mist set in our bathroom as I documented how my family either used the bathroom without toilet paper, the horror, or made the extra effort to walk upstairs to use a stocked potty. I got messages from women encouraging me to stand strong, saying, you got this and we're here for you, Kim, and don't you ever give in. They needn't have worried. If passive aggressiveness were an Olympic sport, I would rep our country and I would be up on that podium in the number one spot and I was in it to win it. Finally, after a week, that is seven days in case you've forgotten, someone alerted my husband as to what was going on via social media. Traitor, I'm warning you, I hold a grudge. Who knows how long it would have lasted if they hadn't or what would have happened when the other bathroom ran out of toilet paper. So Kim, I'm feeling some feelings. Um, after this toilet paper thing, I don't think I expressed how sad I was that you had told the entire world about my toilet paper issue, and I just wrote a song about it. And this is the first time anyone's ever going to hear it. Ever. Why'd you have to show the world what a slob I am? Just because I didn't change the role when I was taking a BM. <laughs> resentment I love you but it stunk when you put it on Instagram that I took a smelly dump yeah now you know how I feel oh you you expressed it through song thank you honey instantaneous song which looking back on it wasn't that good no no I loved it back to the book okay nice work there yeah I was very passionate about that all right my turn Uh, so I was upstairs third floor I was upstairs, I was enjoying my morning quiet time on Twitter, and then I saw a tweet saying, at Penn Holderness, she is killing you. That's all it said. She's killing me. What? I looked through my feed, and there was nothing from my wife that made me suspicious. I went through Facebook, nothing. Finally, I remembered, ah, Instagram. That's where Kim has her little gorilla platform these days. Uh, She knows that I would rather watch TikTok than look at Instagram stories, And I'm not an 11-year-old girl. If my wife wanted to sneak attack without any fear of me knowing about it, Instagram stories was the place, so respect the player. Uh, Once I got on, I figured out what the deal was pretty quickly. I mean, it's not like I hadn't noticed that there was no toilet paper in the downstairs bathroom. It's just that I had been wiping my butt with the Kleenex, (laughs) which is way better than wiping with toilet paper. People who tell you that it doesn't go down the drain, I think they're full of baloney. I think that's a racket invented by big toilet paper. Big toilet paper. Yeah, if you just use like one or two tissues, you're going to be fine. Like let it sit there for a little bit, let it get softer, and then you're golden, right? Right? If, if I'm being honest, I would have been happy to stay on the Kleenex train forever. Toilet paper is the worst. Even the sturdiest, most expensive brands do not get the job done and they do not feel good. Think about this. Do you know this toilet paper was invented in 1857? Since then, we have invented basically everything. Cars, planes, spaceships, Oreos. We are cloning and 3D printing everything else. Yet somehow there have been no major advances in toilet paper technology in over 100 years. That was Penn clapping to emphasize. Why can't toilet paper feel like facial tissue? I'm going to invent toilet paper that feels like Kleenex. Don't steal it. Copyright Penn Holderness. Okay, anyway, my cushy Kleenex well had run dry by this point. 
anyway, the day before I saw the Twitter message, the tissue box had disappeared, which I think you figured it out, right? And you took yes. it away. My last toilet appointment, true story. I had to waddle into the kitchen <laughs> with my pants down by my ankles, my knees oh. like facing out and then holding my butt cheeks apart the whole way <laughs> because you don't want them to touch together because that's just a whole Rorschach <laughs> test down there. So <laughs> it was it was nine o'clock in the morning and our house is like filled with windows. So any jogger or UPS driver happening by would have been scarred for the rest of their life. But I got to tell you, paper towels, if they're good ones, not bad. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. So the empty TP roll, the lack of tissues, and my early morning paper towel tango were probably all signs that I should have gotten some more toilet paper. Instead, what I thought was, someone's going to put some more in there eventually. (laughs) You know why I thought that? Because historically, if I waited long enough, the new roll of TP always showed up. I'd been batting a thousand for nearly a decade and a half, probably farther back then as well with my parents. I'd been conditioned to expect it because that's what had always happened. Pavlov's dog started drooling when the bell rang because the food was always there. So when I saw the Instagram story, I made my way downstairs, all twitchy and embarrassed, and I said to Kim, this is insane. What are you doing? Why couldn't you just tell me to replace the role? Now, the real answer probably was that she had said it many, 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 many times but not loudly enough and not with the definitive tone that she decided to use when she responded to my question. Because Kim, God love her, is very binary with her emotions. She's patient, she's patient, she's patient. And then when something goes wrong, a switch flips. There's something called a wit's end. I don't know what it is, but she had reached it. She started in on how I don't ever do anything around the house. She used the world against me, as in, this is why the world was watching this, because this happens everywhere. The wives are left doing it all. She said this was just one small symptom of a bigger epidemic. There was no order, there was no respect, and she was the one left to shoulder all the work, all the time, always, forever. It was her. Wait, what? I thought this was just about some two-ply paper. I know Kim does a lot around the house, I do. But let me give you a little backstory here. I was a slob growing up. My mom told me to clean stuff up and I never did. And eventually she would do it for me. The same thing happened in college with my roommate. He always had a lower breaking point for the mess than I did. So he would eventually fold and clean it up first. My job was to pay for pizza and to try to keep everyone in a good mood with my jokes. And I felt like it evened out. I followed suit as an adult. The household situation is that I pay for pizza and I constantly tell my wife how much I love her Plus, any time she asks me to do something, I stop what I'm doing and I do it, generally speaking. Generally. Generally speaking. You give me a sink full of dishes and I will do every single dish. I will wipe off every single countertop. I'm very, here's the thing. I'm very good at cleaning up after parties because I'm tipsy and I can listen to music. But here's, here's the other issue. I'm very tall. So the ground, Kim, the ground is very far away from me. The floor is a very distant, cold planet for me. Anytime I pick anything up off the floor, I actually, I want to flip and metal. I want someone, Kim, to walk into the room, clutch her hand to her heart and say, Pendameron Holderness, did you just pick up something I left on the floor? Praise be. Is it too late to ask Malala to share her award with you? Because you, sir, are the true hero. (laughs) But that never happened. (laughs) No. I do change light bulbs now, <sighs> n- not when the first light bulb goes out, but when like 
eight or nine of them are not working, so I can do them all at once. Our, let me break in here. Our house would be completely dark. There'll be rooms with no light. And it'd be like, you know what? I'm going to get to it this weekend because I feel like there's some other ones I could do. Like, he does not. And he's 6'5". He doesn't even need ladder. Anyway, go ahead. So my next line was, doesn't that seem like a big enough contribution? I don't think I have to ask that anymore. It sounds like that's not enough. No. But that's what I do. And Kim does handle the rest. I had no idea that the division of labor was bothering her so much. Now, I have no defense for the toilet paper incident, except that I didn't know it was a thing until my wife made it a national conversation. A very funny one at that, and I do tip my hat to her. It was great content. But how had TP become important enough that she felt she needed to deploy the social media nuclear option? The Secret of Secret Contracts After we'd both cooled down and I did change the toilet paper on camera. We did what we always do when we hit a roadblock in our marriage. We took it to Christopher. Christopher has this gift for helping us process our most baffling interactions. We gave him the poop. He sat back, listened in his patient, loving way that would be annoying if it weren't so welcoming. And then he told us he knew exactly what was driving us up a wall. Now, usually when we tell Christopher about a fight we're having, he pulls back and helps us analyze what's going on underneath the words that we're saying to each other. But in this case, it was what we weren't saying that was throwing us for a loop. We were bumping into a phenomenon that is present in every relationship, one that undermines your ability to ask for what you want, even from the people you love, maybe even especially from the people you love. Once you can spot it, you'll change the way that you relate to your partner. Christopher introduced us to the concept of secret contracts. And boy, have we talked about these a lot ever since. Secret contracts are these silent deals that you make with your partner by default and through routine. That's why they're called secret. They're tasks that we take on and identities that we assume with this invisible handshake at the start of a relationship. And then they just continue till death do us part or until something happens that reveals the contract needs to be redlined, like the toilet paper. When you first got together with your partner, each of you probably took on different responsibilities, right? You started chopping the vegetables. Your partner started writing the grocery list. You started mowing the lawn. Your partner knows who your internet provider is. You fell into these slots without even thinking about it, and you never left. Doesn't exactly get your heart racing, does it? Secret contracts are not sexy. In fact, they are as workday and pedestrian as they come, but they do serve a purpose. Think about how exhausting it would be to have to negotiate every single aspect of our lives together afresh every single day. We'd spend so much time talking and arguing that the dishes would pile up and the bills would crowd the drawers. Towels would end up on the floor. I just mentioned that and Kim, I think like you shuddered yeah. like, because you're still it's thinking. my kryptonite. I didn't yeah. realize that it, this was like a precursor to mold when you said that. Like, what? That mildew is like, you could see that as like black mold yes. like waiting to happen. That's, yes. Learn something new every day. Secret contracts are universal. Every couple you've ever met has them. And they are not limited to romantic relationships. You have them with your mom and dad. You have them with your kids. You have them with your coworkers and your mechanic. They have a place. But every once in a while, they need to be brought up for the table to review. But I never signed anything. One of the reasons I quit my job as a sports anchor was so I could be more available for the kids. The first day I was free from my old 2 p.m. to midnight schedule, I volunteered to do the school runs. Every single morning since, I have driven the kids to school and sat in the long, long line to pick them up. 
I have some very clear ideas, by the way, for ways to improve drop-off efficiency if you care to hear them and have two hours, but that's not, nope, not now. Not now. Uh, But we never sat down and discussed this. I just did it. I adore the time with the kids. Because they're buckled in and can't escape, they are literally a captive audience, which is my dream. This is an example of a secret contract that works. But other secret contracts can be dysfunctional, like the way that Kim took on the lion's share of the housework early on in our marriage. From the beginning, the cooking, the grocery shopping, the meal planning, the laundry, that was all Kim. Paying bills, keeping track of the household activities, straightening up, you name it, she did it. We didn't get married until Kim was 29, so she was used to taking care of things around the house. It wasn't like she was adding a bunch to what she was already doing, so it didn't even occur to her to do it another way until it did. Couples frequently dig grooves like this for themselves in relationships. And the deeper the groove, the harder it is to jump out of it. He's the caretaker. She's the good time girl. She's rational. He's guided by instinct. We play those roles even when they no longer serve us because they have become habitual. When we're operating on autopilot, we let our behavior be guided by those roles instead of by our authentic desires, and that causes friction. Helpful box time. Identifying your secret contracts. Once you know what secret contracts are, it's like looking for yellow cars. You see them everywhere. Here are a few questions to help you identify the secret contracts you have with your partner that might require a rewrite. What tasks do you do automatically, even if you don't have the time, energy, or desire to do them, simply because you've always done them? Remember, your answer might not be a practical, get-or-done type responsibility. It may be that you are the default disciplinarian or the person who keeps the dinner conversation lively when the other guests are a snooze. How often does assuming that responsibility make you feel resentful of your partner? Once a week? Once a day? Once an hour? Have you ever discussed those feelings with your partner? How often do you pretend to feel something you don't or feel pressured to respond in a particular way because it seems consistent with how other people view you? Does your partner know that you do so? How confident are you that your partner would understand if you asked for a change? I had been pumped to talk to Christopher about our toilet paper standoff. I fully expected him to be 100% on my side. After all, I had thousands of women on the internet who agreed with me. How could I be wrong? I wasn't wrong per se, but Christopher showed me that my approach was... So you were wrong. Looking at my TP shame bomb through the lens of a secret contract, I can see that when I was making a big public passive aggressive brouhaha about the toilet paper, I didn't just want someone else to change the role. I wanted to change my role. For a long time, it had worked for us for me to be a household manager. But when things really started to take off with the videos, we were so focused on running that business that we. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. Opening up to a therapist might feel uncomfortable, cathartic, exhausting, or even exhilarating. But one thing's for certain, if you keep talking or texting with a licensed therapist, you will gain insights and uncover truths that you can only find in therapy. Get those personal breakthroughs and judgment-free support by signing up for Talkspace. At Talkspace.com, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. There's no need to commute to appointments, miss time at work, or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. Talkspace is also affordable and in-network with most major insurers. To celebrate May, Mental Health Awareness Month, and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering every listener of this podcast $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com slash Holderness. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Holderness to get $80 off your first month with code SPACE80 and to show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash Holderness with code SPACE80. Didn't really talk through what it would mean for us as a family. Suddenly, we were running a business in which we were creating videos, podcasts, and blog posts at a dizzying rate. Penn is a mad scientist who can create songs in 10 minutes. But 98% of the songs you see in the videos are my ideas. They come from a very mom-centric voice, and it requires some brain space to come up with them. My brain works best when there's no clutter. I know, I know, there's all this evidence that mess actually spurs creativity. But those studies can suck it. I can't relax if there's a mountain of dishes in the sink or wet towels on the floor. My brain was full of organizing, scheduling, cleaning, and replacing toilet paper. I needed that space and time back to be able to think. If we were going to make this work long-term, things needed to change. After I sat down and examined the terms of our secret contract, I saw that I was spending four hours every Saturday doing domestic crap. I looked at my very capable family enjoying their Saturday, and I realized I didn't want to be the plate-spinning crazy person. I wanted time to think, and I wanted in on the fun. I sat the family down and said, Look, if you guys are going to suck for, let's see, 24 times 7, 168 hours in a week. Can I have one hour where that's not the case? When you agree to pitch in around the house to lighten the load? They conferred and decided, yeah, okay, this is literally the least we can do. So now we have a thing we call power hour on Saturdays. For one hour on Saturdays, we fix the stuff around the house. Of course, there are some eye rolls from the kids, but ultimately, they don't mind it. And Penn does like being told specifically how he can help because he wants to make me happy. We set a clock, crank up some music, and just go nuts on the chores. We go through the mail or fill out the forms or clean the sink or order a new water filter or change the sheets or whatever. With four humans, you can get a lot done. It's like we're all on a team, which feels so much better than doing everything myself. Listen, it's not perfect. We're not perfect. It's a slow burn. My son thinks put away your laundry means just cram as many pieces of clothing into one drawer as you possibly can. But it's better. I will look back on this one day and say, 
I sure am glad I let my family fumble through cooking and cleaning because we're now all functioning members of society. The best part is that now it's out in the open. Instead of quietly resenting my husband when the refrigerator is filthy, I'll show Pen the fridge and say, secret contract. There's a mountain of laundry everywhere. Secret contract. There's an empty soap container. Can you say secret contract? Sure, there's a lot of rinse and repeat, but it doesn't feel like nagging. It feels like growing. Rewriting a secret contract. There's nothing inherently wrong with having a role within a relationship. That's R-O-L-E. I feel like we should say that now that we're talking so much about the toilet paper role. But problems can arise when one person wants to revise or broaden that role. Secret contracts become a more pressing issue when they move out of the realm of the practical day-to-day stuff and into identity and emotion territory. When you don't feel boxed in by what your partner expects you to do, but by who they expect you to be. It can be scary to break a secret contract. Routine is comforting, right? It's secure and knowable. You know what works, so why change it? If it ain't broken all, and if it's not working, well, at least you've got a devil-you-know situation. It's easy to let your mental narrator tell you, we've been living like this, but I'm scared that if I show my partner what I really want, they might feel like it's a breach of contract. What if their love was predicated on a contract that says I am spontaneous or frugal or kind? What if I also want to be predictable or generous or sarcastic? Will they walk? The problem is that most of the roles we play represent only a small part of who we are. Maybe you've heard the parable about the blind men and the elephant. Christopher told us this one. As the story goes, six blind men lived in a village in India where other villagers cared for them. The men spent their days engaged in deep discussions with one another about the world. One day they started talking about elephants, as you do eventually when you've been talking to the same five people day in and day out for most of your life. Before long, though, they were arguing about the nature of an elephant. Their argument grew so heated, so noisy, that it was driving the rest of the villagers nuts. They told the men, stop your fighting. You want an elephant? We'll show you an elephant. They arranged to take the men to the palace where there was an elephant on the grounds. A villager led the first blind man to the elephant, and the man touched the animal's trunk and said, An elephant is like a snake. It is pliable and can bend and weave with ease. When it was the second man's turn, he placed his hand on the creature's tusk, and he said, Ah, an elephant is very smooth, like a rock that has been polished. The third man, having touched the elephant's ear, told the assembled crowd, No, my friends are mistaken. An elephant is floppy and covered with coarse hairs. The other three men took their turns and each came to a different conclusion about the nature of an elephant, depending on where their hands had landed on the beast. They began arguing anew, their shouts growing so loud that they summoned the Raja, who came into the courtyard. When the crowd hushed, the Raja pointed out that an elephant was in fact a very large creature with many different characteristics, and the men had each come to know only a very small part of it. At any given time, we each show only a small part of our elephants to our partners. We might think we know our partners inside and out. We might even use that as a measure of how successful our relationship is. But the truth of the human condition is that it is impossible to know each other fully. We have a friend who is the most loyal, compassionate person on the planet. He's the type who not only remembers your birthday, but sends a long note recalling a memory he really cherishes about you just because. But you put Brad on a tennis court and a whole other side of him comes roaring out. 
He is fierce, maybe too fierce. He never turns it on other people, even his doubles partner, but he says the most hateful things about himself. The woman who is now his wife had dated him for three years before she ever watched him play and had a chance to see that side of him, and it was a shock. Fortunately, she had built up stores of good feelings toward him and had a sense to recognize that his anger on the court was not affecting their relationship, so she didn't let it spook her. But it was a surprise because he had been exquisitely careful not to let her see that side of him from most of their courtship. We know only what the other person chooses to show us. On the flip side, we make choices about what we ourselves will show our partners. When we see the people we love enjoying one part of us, it is tempting to keep presenting that aspect of ourselves again and again for their approval. Here, here is my tusk, nice and smooth, just as it's always been. We bend and contort so that our partners never end up with a handful of snot. But you are so much more than one single part. People are complex not only because we are multifaceted, but also because we are constantly growing and changing. This can make for some scary moments when we want to show a new part of ourselves. Because what if we do that and our partners don't like what they find? Some parts are pretty raw. What Christopher said about secret contracts hit me deep when I realized that they applied to stuff that was bigger than a chore wheel. The first thing that came to mind was a contract that's been in place in our relationship for as long as I can remember. I don't need to tear it up and write a new one, but I might need to draft an amendment. We have a contract that states that I am the official mood keeper-upper in our relationship. Kim calls me a golden retriever, and I love that she calls me that. I think it's true that I'm generally very happy-go-lucky and eager to help. I love to tell jokes and keep people smiling. Also, I'm happiest when I'm fetching things or being rubbed. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, Admittedly, it's not just that I like to keep people happy. I also really like attention. My dad actually told me that I came into the world waiting for applause. If I can get someone to laugh or clap or to smile, that is my definition of awesome. There's nothing better. Someone once bought me a t-shirt that just said, look at me across the chest, and it was a perfect fit. There's a reason golden retrievers are such popular dogs. They are delightful. This guy I married, he is the funniest person in the room, and he is the happiest person in the room. He makes me laugh, a genuine laugh, several times daily. Not a giggle or a snort, a laugh. This can be a problem because I've had two kids and if I laugh too hard, well, I might need a costume change. Penn wants everyone to have a good time all the time, and he's willing to do what it takes to make it happen, like he did at my cousin Jen's wedding. It was a beautiful event. And like most weddings, no one wants to be the first one on the dance floor. We needed a party starter. We needed the hype man. Q Pen Holderness. I have often joked that if people stop watching our videos, I'm going to pay for our kids' college tuition by renting them out for bat mitzvahs. Most people have hemoglobin in their blood. Pen has hypoglobin. That's another one that I like wrote and it looks good typed out, but saying it, it sounds weird. Yeah. Okay, back. Back to the book. <laughs> At Jen's wedding, he ran out onto the dance floor like a champ. He was giving it his all, leaning back, teaching people how to dougie, and chicken noodle souping all over creation by himself. I shouldn't have been worried, though. Next thing I knew, he had taken my grandmother's hand and pulled her out into the dance floor. My grandmother is my hero, and she was a total sport, except she was wearing these little tiny heels, and as she was dancing, she started to fall. 
This was not the first time Penn has had to save someone who was falling on the dance floor. So he was all, no big deal. I got this. And he bent to catch her. But something happened with her trajectory. And suddenly it was very clear he wasn't going to be able to heave her back up before she landed. Instead, he just laid her ever so gently on the ground. Once she was down there, he looked at her and said, Mima, tuck your knees. And she's like, what? She is a proper lady. How, she was all. probably 80. No, she was like 75, 70. Yeah. And you're like, tuck your knees. And she's wearing this. I can picture this like pretty sparkly dress, these little tiny heels. Anyway. By the way, you're talking about this like I was super cool. I was kind of panicking a bit, too. I didn't want to be the person who dropped the grandmother. Don't you can't, don't break me, Ma. Everybody, everybody was staring at them. I thought Jen was going to expire. Penn shouted again, tuck your knees to your chest. So Mima tucked her knees to her chest and Penn took her and he spun her around. So she did three backspins like a top and a tasteful chiffon dress. When Mima finished spinning, Penn lifted her and she jumped up and the crowd went wild. Party started. The wedding was three months before we got married. So if I had any doubts that this was the guy whose wagon I wanted to be hitched with for all of eternity, that epic save on the dance floor sealed the deal. It was penned to the core, fun-loving, selfless, and eager to please. True as that may be, I married a woman who has struggled with depression. So on top of my natural inclination to please, over the years, I've come to consider it my job to be the fun person and the bringer of cheer because there are times when the chemicals in Kim's body just take over. I feel like it's my responsibility to be up all the time. Here's where the secret contract makes things tricky. Because I am the golden retriever, I feel like I'm supposed to be happy with whatever bone is in front of me, no matter what else is going on in my life. It can be a lot to handle because sometimes I get down too. I've had really, truly sad moments that feel like a female period times 20. We've already talked about this. Uh, on top of that, I've recently started getting some of these terrific little panic attacks. We've talked about those too. But when I start to slip into sadness, I don't stop and look at what's going on. I'm much more concerned with making sure everyone around me is happy. When we plan to visit Kim's family, she tells me, I get so anxious visiting such a large spread out family, I can't go on these trips without you. And it gives me great joy to be able to help in any way that I can, because I know dealing with divorced parents and making multiple stops can be complicated. But when I'm at the end of my rope, I feel like I can't really say, hey, Kim, when we're with your family, can you please stop expecting that I'm going to be the life of the party for seven straight days? Because being the life of the party is probably my best thing. That's a big part of why we work. I always thought that if I wanted to revise that contract, she might walk away thinking, well, there goes that fun guy that I married. What if after that she looked at me and said, well, what is it that you're good for then? Taking the risk. When we break a secret contract, we're revising terms that have long worked for us. Revising a secret contract requires vulnerability. Sometimes it's easier to let a contract remain protectively in place than to reveal what we really want because revealing ourselves can be frightening. We wear clothes because showing our bodies to just anyone is too intimate. We don't cry at work because crying is considered a sign of vulnerability. The question you ask when you allow yourself to be vulnerable is, will you still love me if I show you this sensitive private part of me? <laughs> private part. <laughs> But to create a trusting relationship, we must have faith that our partners will love our whole selves, not just one tiny part. 
This is the real holy grail of marriage. It's a feeling of safety and security that stems from knowing that your partner will love you even if you show them your full and ever-changing self. I have a perfect example of a time when I could tell Penn was wagging his tail when part of him wanted to be curled up in a ball. Penn does not find value in being sad. My brain will spiral like a corkscrew at the first sign of trouble. It's not a cold. It's pneumonia. It's not pneumonia. It's lung cancer and the contagious kind. Penn's brain isn't programmed to do that. He doesn't take a deep dive just to be sad because what good is that going to do anybody? But after 15 years of marriage, I can tell when our golden retriever is sad because he gets really quiet and Penn is rarely quiet. His mom has a pretty advanced level of dementia that has developed and presented itself over the course of a decade. For the first half of it, her fully capable and coherent husband could help out with it, but his dad has since started slipping himself. It got to a point about two years ago that Penn knew he had to tell his parents that they needed to leave their home. His mom needed around-the-clock care, and she needed to be away from his dad because he was her crutch and not necessarily her nurse. There's a reason why it's called skilled nursing. That's hard to say to your parents. Now imagine Penn, the happy-go-lucky, make-everyone-smile guy doing it. Kim's right. Dealing with aging parents has definitely taxed my ability to stay upbeat. I'll tell you something. Having a parent with Alzheimer's is not easy, just as the way dealing with an unpredictable nation-state is not easy. One of the hardest parts is that I've had to find new ways to relate to my mother. When you have Alzheimer's, you revert to your teenage self, sometimes even younger, like a childlike self, or maybe your 20-year-old self. God help my kids if this ever happens to me, by the way. Uh, they had best pray that there is a beer pong table in my care facility. But like this Benjamin Button thing keeps going, so you get to your 10-year-old self, your 2-year-old self, and then you can't talk, and then you can't walk, and you certainly can't take care of yourself. Right now, my mom can move around, she can eat, she can go to the bathroom. She knows who I am, but she doesn't remember my name. She can't finish a sentence. That's been hard on this happy dog. Just as things were getting really rough during this time, Kim sat me down and just said the magic words. All she said was secret contract. She told me that it was her turn to be the good mood dude. Or at least I didn't have to play that role when I wasn't feeling it. I wish I could say I was immediately like, you got yourself a deal, lady. And uh, then I let her take over the mood regulating in the household from that moment forward. It wasn't quite like that, but I didn't make a joke about it right away either. She was giving me permission to show her a new part of my elephant. And that felt pretty terrific. Not that part. Gross. Gross. I know what you're thinking. Like the ear or the foot. One day when I was visiting my mom, I brought over my guitar on a whim. And I have my mom to thank for a lot of my musical ability, by the way. I took lessons, of course, but I didn't really pay attention to them. I know you're shocked about that. Where I really learned about music was sitting next to her at the piano in our basement, starting around fourth grade. She would have been in her 40s then, slender and almost six feet tall. She was like a pretty giraffe with Andrew Jackson's hair. What can I say? It was the 80s. She had a perm. Mom was a preacher's wife, and she had spent months of Sundays singing hymns. She would sit next to me and sing or hum Onward Christian Soldiers, or The Water is Wide, or Blessed Be the Tide That Binds, and then she'd wait for me to fumble them out on the keyboard, like a musical Simon Says. When I got good at that, she would just hum random notes, six or seven of them, and I would play them back, trying to bring in accompaniment with the chords underneath 
and turn it into an actual song. She was training my ear. To this day, not sure if you know this, I cannot read music, but I can hear a song and I can just play it. So that was her. When I brought out the guitar during that visit and started strumming, I played Onward Christian Soldiers. I thought she might get a kick out of it, or maybe I'd get her to smile. I was like five notes in when she joined in, not just singing, but coming in on a major third above exactly what I was singing. And the nurses were like, what the hell? They, I mean, everyone stopped what they were doing and were staring. Because remember, she's, she's having trouble talking. But this, this music part worked for some reason, and it was incredible. And now every time I go to visit my mom, or at least used to visit my mom before COVID, either with the rest of the family or by myself, I bring my guitar. The feeling of connecting with her again is 90% joy, but I have to tell you, the other 10% is still rough. There's guilt because I'm not able to do it every day, and there's also the worry about whether I'm looking into a mirror that's reflecting me a couple of decades down the road. I try to feel the joy, but also I try to sit with that other 10% sometimes. Exploring that side of myself doesn't feel natural, but it feels right. I'm getting to know a new part of me. I'm hoping I'll grow from it, and I trust Kim will still love me when I do, as long as I remember to change the toilet paper. Helpful Box. Revising a Secret Contract. The good news is that revising a secret contract doesn't have to be an earthquake for your relationship. Done right, it can help you live more authentically and with more trust in your partner. How you make your request is just as important as what you actually say. When you recognize that you have something to ask your partner, especially something that will change the terms of a secret contract, here's how you do it in a way that promotes intimacy. Wait for the right time. Negotiate during peacetime, not in the heat of the battle. Set aside a time when you won't be distracted. No cell phones or kids or radio in the background. Sit with a glass of wine or a cup of tea on the couch or agree to go on a walk. Use words of invitation. Invite your partner to join you by saying, do you have a minute? There's something on my mind I need to talk to you about. Finish with gratitude. After you've had your conversation, thank your partner. Tell them, thank you for listening to me. I feel closer to you now. It can be tricky to know how to start this conversation, so we've come up with a few prompts for you to think about before you have the talk. You might want to write your answers down on a piece of paper and share them with your partner beforehand so they have time to absorb them. So the following are writing prompts. I'll start this sentence and then you guys would complete it. Our secret contract says, How I think you see me. How I wish you would see me. This contract has been working for me in these ways. It no longer works for me because. I would love to revisit these aspects of it. If this part doesn't change, I can live with it. I haven't brought this up with you before because. Changing this will help me too. It was such a relief when you decided to share and be more open about your feelings and your story with your mother. And I know this year in particular has been really hard because you haven't seen a lot of her and and things change so quickly. But I'll say again, uh, thank you for letting me hold that for you and letting me be the the mood keeper. Well, thank you for telling me that it was okay to do that. And I know I resisted it at first. And we've talked, I mean, we talked about it twice in this book. There was like I'm dealing with the grief of losing my parents and anyone who has parents with dementia, they understand when I say losing my parents, yeah. you're losing them. 
I know. Um, you're getting, like, there's a bit of them left, but you're losing them very slowly. And um, when you did that and you said secret contract, it took me a minute to get there. And now that, now that we're there, I can actually feel things. And I, that way it's not going to just come wash over me and completely cri- cripple me, uh, you, know, you know, when, when the time comes. So, um, I mean, this all started with toilet paper. It did. And it ended with us like really, uh, this is what we wanted this book to do, right? We wanted this fight to help us expose our vulnerabilities and our boundaries. And I think, you know, the fact that I was waddling through the living room looking for paper towel with my butt cheeks clenched up led to us like understanding each other better. So good job. That leads perfectly to our next chapter. Sex. So that was chapter four of our audiobook and the last that the publisher is going to allow us to release. <laughs> right. They told At us some like, point. They're like, actually, you've now released enough of the book that we feel like if they're going to buy it, they're going to buy it. And if they don't. I, yeah. I loved listening to it, though, because I, I did go back and listen to the one that like one of our first podcasts that we had with Christopher talking about this whole toilet paper battle. And I feel like we've like we were in the very early stages of what? Yeah. Ask for what you want, secret what? And now I think we've started to live that life. It does take some time to hear it and then practice it and then perfect it when it comes to this. And and we continue, like we, we I haven't think, perfected it. Yeah, Brene Brown, who I refer to as St. Brene because we quote her in the book, um, she has a line that I think I've kind of co-opted by accident and, um, and, and used, but she said, I think she's the person who said it. Mm. we are passengers on this flight. So like you and I are like talking about all these things, but to be truly authentic with people, we got into a fight before we hit record on this podcast. We did about what we were going to talk about on yeah. this podcast. And and it wasn't, a f- and I think we say fight. And when pe- we, people hear fight, they think screaming. It wasn't screaming. It was, I think this, and I think this. No, we're not over here flipping tables, Kim. Oh my God. That was another thing I would always say. Because in these <laughs> in interviews. The interviews. Uh, yeah. Anyway, guys, um, if you were kind enough to purchase the book and you feel yeah. like it helped you in any way, it would be a blessing to us if you would leave a review. And then that way, it's so weird, you guys. And I yeah. hate to even ask for it. But like the way people find it is when people review it and when they tell right. their friends. And that's now we're at that point in a sale of a book that we need people to tell people about it. And yeah. so the easiest way is review. Next, maybe you share it on your Instagram stories. You tag us. That way I can see it and I can reply. And um, anyway, thanks, guys. We love you. Thanks for thanks for all your support. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.